0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle humiliated Sunland, Three goals to nil in their own stadium, in their own cup final. And Newcastle United are back. I'm Alex, I have Sai, Charlotte, and this week's guest, is Matt Ketchell, deputy editor of 442 magazine. We are absolutely buzzing to talk about a curse lifted. No longer can that football club from that place say that they have it over us. Six in a row, fuck off. Who cares? Ancient history, Newcastle United went there and humiliated them. And to top it off, the manager called it good feedback. It couldn't have gone any better for Newcastle United yesterday. I'll start with you, Si, because you're to my left. How was your day, mate? Brilliant.
2: I don't, know, I don't know if you can tell, but I had a, I had a really good time. <laughs> really good day, really good night. Yeah, it's it's been a long time coming, hasn't it? We haven't been able to celebrate or enjoy a Derby day like that for, what, nine years? When was, when was Halloween? Was that 2011? 2012. Because that's the last time... Was, Ancient history, sign. That's the last time it was that comfortable. It was the last time that we just got to enjoy the 90 minutes of football and enjoy the night ahead. There was no stress yesterday. It was just Newcastle were better from start to finish. And yes, it took a while to get, to get ahead. It took a while for the game to start and kind of happening, but... It was just such a good day, and I thought I thought the um, the bubble fixture. I thought the the travelling was going to disrupt things, but it really didn't. I, I have to say that all went pretty smoothly. The bus getting back was
3: a bit of a pain. Yeah,
2: it took a while to get home, but you know I was happy. If had we lost the fixture, I would have been very, very, very <laughs> critical of the bus situation. But as it happens, we didn't lose the game. We smashed them. It, you're right. It's exercised some demons. It's just such a good feeling. Um, and it was so nice to be so far ahead of them and we, we knew that before the game but we were still nervous that you know this is kind of like great leveler of derby games and that just didn't happen it didn't really feel like Sunderland were in it and it was it's just so nice to be able to say that and there was just no no drama no stress it was class absolutely class.
3: I was really nervous before we talked about it last week and I was really nervous before this game I was I was you know it, it did you said it Sai, it felt like our banana skin to slip on it felt like we're the ones with the with the excellent team with the champions league level players with the with the, you know in the top half of the of the top league in in top domestic league in the world and it was our it was ours to kind of like fuck up mm. and you do sort of get that nerves and you, mm. the moment i got into the stadium of light yesterday i was like oh this will be fine I didn't know what it was. I just, I just felt, I felt much calmer, and I was like, "What was I worried about? This place is terrible. There's silver foil everywhere, and <laughs> like, they don't even play in silver." And 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 I just, I felt myself like, "This is fine. It's going to be fine." And it really was. It was. It was easy. Um, it was it was so much fun. The players looked like they were enjoying themselves for the first time in a little while. Yeah. Um, the fans really enjoyed themselves. It was just an incredible day. And yeah, the bubble trip's like not ideal, but th- that's how you get six thousand fans there. Then that's how you get six thousand fans there. And The six thousand fans made loads of noise, and it was it, I, it was a bit slow to begin with. But I actually I feel like I feel like that was the plan. And I, and yesterday I felt like. I know what the plan is, and we haven't felt like that for a little while. We've talked about it, but it was just mint, and I had a mint day, and I'm buzzing.
1: Yeah, catch, same question, mate.
4: Yeah, I, I echo, I echo um, everyone's thoughts. It was uh, a very, I don't know, I was, it was a big adrenaline rush, wasn't it? I, I, I've been, I kind of ruined my Christmas knowing this fixture was coming. <laughs> I, I really wasn't up for it at all. Um, but then when the week began... And the, the comedy unfolded um, <laughs> from from Weir's side. I just really got into it, yeah. um, and I, I, I wasn't confident going into it. I could, I sort of could see all three scenarios. I could see us winning. I could see us losing. I could see a draw. I couldn't, I couldn't call it. Um, so I was very nervous and apprehensive about going over there. I thought it was a lose lose situation for Newcastle. I was nervous about logistical things. With a, I thought it was going to be a, a horrible day in terms of a supporter experience, um, but. I found, my, I found I really, really got into it and that, that adrenaline rush 10 minutes before in the first 10 minutes of the game, I really missed that. Um, having been to uh, maybe half a dozen derbies at their place, you don't get that in many games. I'm lucky enough to go to a lot of big games in my, in, as part of my job and as, as being a Newcastle fan, like w- World Cup finals, Champions League finals, you don't get that adrenaline rush from, from those games, but being a supporter and being in a derby and being... A your rival stadium, that was like really the first sort of the that twenty minutes pre pre and, and during the first half was was really really special. And the fact that it it went our way was just was was amazing. Um, it, it was a a lose lose for us. I felt unless we beat them by three or four, and and that's what we did. So we needed to do that as a minimum, I think, and and we did. So perfect day, pretty much.
1: Yeah, perfect's a good word. It was it was almost like a validating experience as a fan and saw so you referenced post game. I think that was my eighth time at the stadium. and I'd seen this one once, <laughs> and the amount, kind of the worst part of the day is is that if Sunderland win, not only are you kept in, but they won't leave. Yeah. They won't leave the ground. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether that's intentional because just they don't want to go back into the city centre. Um, <laughs> but it just it just prolongs that exit because because they won't fuck off. And yesterday I was just I was at myself uh, by myself at the game and. I just enjoyed. I didn't go down to the concourse. I didn't do that, I just sat in the seat, and it was just well. You calm. couldn't get
3: in. Carnage in there.
1: Yeah, it was just calm. It was. It was just like a real lovely moment to just sit, sit there and think. This was easy. All of the things that they said they would do didn't happen. You know the 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 wingers who were going to tear our fullbacks apart. The younger Bellingham was going <laughs> to dominate midfields. It just it just was it, didn't. Was yeah, It just didn't he come to pass. Did it? In and their manager calling it like almost a positive to see how good this is how good you could be lads great for our young players to see what you could get to if you work hard and and we've kind of coasted through that second half and i'm just so i think i think it's an important win for the football club as a whole because it's a box ticked off and something we just don't need to worry about we don't need to worry about derbies we don't need to worry about The direction of travel of this football club doesn't take them into consideration, but we are still, like you say, Ketch, we still have to go there and, and kind of go in there and winning handsomely mm. is a big part of it. And to win like we did, I mean, some people have called it a training session. Yeah, it was a game in the first half because we hadn't we hadn't monopolised our dominance into a into a goal. But second half, when their lad tries to dribble past Miguel (laughs) Almirón, it was just, yeah, it was just a really, really satisfying afternoon. Whether you were in the grounds or whether you watched at home, uh, back in Newcastle, or wherever you're listening to this, the the stress-free aspect of it that you touched on, Sai. It's just, a lot of boxes got ticked yesterday, and we can kind of move on from this now and get back to the serious stuff. And that's what I I wanted them to do, and they did it.
3: I think that the coasting is like is an important part of it, isn't it? And how easy it was is a massive part of it. I have spoke to a, a Sunderland fan for B- BBC, but I don't normally speak to them. I promise. Mm. Um, and he was saying anything other, and I said this: does it? You say si, anything other than a cricket scoreline is an embarrassment for Newcastle. And I was like, no, it isn't. Like already the three hundred and forty-seven for eight, <laughs> like, ridiculous <laughs> coins. ridiculous. It's just it's like already the excuses are coming in right but because um, this was well before the game but um all i could think was if it's one nil and it's a coasting like and we don't get out of first gear and it's just and we don't we don't come out of it with anybody injured obviously joe linton has a question mark over him now but then that's that's a win that's a that's a great win for me but a 3 nil and it being so easy is just Oh, icing on the cake, isn't it?
4: What I found interesting leading up to the game was, I'm dreading it as a Newcastle fan who, or a Champions League club with multi-million pound squad. What are Sunderland fans thinking? They, they surely must be, they don't want Gordon and Isaac running at Bollard and Trey Hume, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> They must have been dreading it. Surely they do not want this scenario of Newcastle United coming into their stadium, you know, with an expensive squad. Yes, there's, there's a lack of form and, and injuries, but still, watching the game, yes, I was watching... Um, you know, Sven Bockman, Bruno, Isaac against their players, like Dan Byrne and Pritchard, comical size difference. I was like, this is actually, it's actually unfair. You know what I mean? <laughs> the, the playing field was not level.
3: FA shouldn't have allowed it. So they shouldn't have, I'm,
4: I don't, I'm dreading it. What must Sunderland fans have been thinking it? And, and, and it came to pass, you know, the superior
2: quality shone through and we, and we won comfortably. That's the thing, isn't it? I also spoke to a Sunderland fan in my office on Friday, and he was telling me that um, the Sunderland supporters would be really happy. They'd be walking out with their heads held high if they lost 2-0 or 3-0. You know, they, right. that, that's how much they rated us. But I did not see one Sunderland fan leaving that stadium on 65 minutes with their head held high. It was <laughs> definitely heads down absolutely good. Because I think secretly they thought they might do something here. We were in bad form. They thought it was theirs to theirs to take. We, we were going to be the scalp. And they just got absolutely disappointed. disappointment is probably the, the perfect words. Every single face that went at that stadium by the end of it, absolutely good. They didn't really turn up. Like they, they tried, like to, to kick us, but we were literally, like you say, men, men against boys, big, big lads. They were trying to kick Linton, and he was just like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> yeah. Bouncing off him,
3: hurting trying, foot. Trying to,
2: trying to kick Bruno, and he just, he just couldn't get the ball off him. Like it was just, it was so good to watch that they thought they were going to do something, and they just couldn't. They just couldn't, and that's so nice to be able to say. It's it's rare that I would say something like this, but it's actually
1: not just about the football like the whole thing couldn't have gone any better the madness in the build-up the Mm -hmm. heads falling off the resignation of a flags group (laughs) the 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 owner um putting out pretending he doesn't know a sonnet on instagram (laughs) to try and apologize like there's so many highlights and then you've got what we did to them after the game and the photo on the pitch catch what's your like. Ignoring the actual football, what was your favorite moment of the whole just Derby experience? Well, I
4: would, I could really do with it a Nature Valley honey and oat crunch bar <laughs> and, <laughs> and water right about now. I've got the scarf on. Um, but just the relief of Newcastle not fucking up the logistics was, 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 a, was a highlight for me. You know, we showed up um, at about half eight, straight on the, I was on the bus within 15 minutes at the stadium for 10.30. Um, into the stadium, you know, no problem. Um, drinking at cluffy's ice bar which is a bit bit <laughs> tasteless i thought given brian Clough's history with alcoholism um but had about i was saying i was had about you know I was, one of my worries was they were going to pull a fast one and not serve in the ground or yeah. but I, I think i had about seven pints in the ground need the money um need yeah. the money and that was the other thing i mean a very boring thing to talk about but the price the price menu 650 a pint they weren't charging 650 no. a pint it was 4, For 490 a guinness yeah so cheap cheap ish beer and um, getting served and and just every a, a seamless really supporter experience apart from being held back a little bit at the end but then when we were on the bus we we, we were straight back in so that 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 worried me but that, the supporter experience was 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 fine I, I was going into it with a lot of apprehension
3: at the end of the game the internet went down in the whole stadium and they were just giving away drinks <laughs> they couldn't pay the card reader didn't work because the Wi-Fi was broken and I si was like so what will I do and she was like you can just have them Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, that's a great moment in life isn't it just
4: free drink in the stadium of life after a 3-0 win yeah. I quote I kind of charge you oh great thanks see you later
3: noted bye it sounds like a you
0: problem <laughs>
1: yeah. um, so I mean yeah specifically for me I think the I agree with all of that and, and everyone gets at Newcastle United, particularly in terms of box office and fan experience stuff ticketing. But that it did, it did, you have to say, it did go very, very well, well-organised in, in not a lot of time. Um, I think the whole fixture was designated from a fan perspective, from the police's point of view, of what they think will go wrong. Mm. And we managed to just stay away from all of that. But I have to talk about the decision by Jason Tindall at the end of the game. Mm. And you can see it, the footage is there online. You can see that, like, the cogs start working yeah. and, he, and he tests it out on a few players. He's like, Should we take a photo on the pitch. What, what about what, about, what about the dressing <laughs> photo on their pitch? And, and he kind of goes around and he goes to a couple of senior players and they're like, yeah, we're going to do this. And then he, then he has to get the photographers involved. And he asked the, the like, logistics are a, cr- a crucial part of this because it can't, it can't be shit. It can't go wrong. It can't be ho- half hearted. And to, to take that photo in front of that stand, the stand now belongs to us. The, that photo of the black and white scarves with yeah. our team in front, it's an extraordinary moment. And I thought the kind of head loss by Sunderland fans about us getting that whole stand rather than going in the upper tier it was a bit like, oh, well, you, you do need the money, lads. You're a loss making entity. You know, mm. your, your club is all about financial sustainability these days. You need the money. I can see why the owners did it. But now I understand that allowing, like, when, when the owner, whoever took that decision at Sunderland Football Club, did that in their worst nightmares they never thought that our players and coaching staff would take a team photo in front of that stand with a sea of black and white scarves mm-hmm. that stand will now be remembered for that photo when those season ticket holders from that club have to go back into that stand it that's all they'll be able to think about when a really? southern player scores a goal in front of that stand that's all i'll be able to think about in front like, of St
3: James's Park stand.
1: that's our stand that's our stand. It belongs to us now, and Tyndall deserves a lot of credit. And then the club social media team, post-game,
4: photoshopping that stand to say, how are the lads?
3: Yeah. In the proper it's way. Just,
4: it's just perfect. The only thing that was missing would have been Jason Tyndall planting a flag in the centre. <laughs> I was just forward. about to say that, yeah. <laughs> soonest, anyhow, soonest going full. A theory on the the, the team photo in front of the um, the the north stand Um I'm in the team photo, by the way. Did you see that? Yeah. I managed to get yeah. in. It's about, it's, I'm, I'm bottom right. Yeah, you were. Um, <laughs> you check it out on my Twitter. Um, <laughs> I mean, we're all things, in it, Two of. things. Is the, is the away dressing room at Stadium Light so pokey that they couldn't have done a team photo <laughs> in it? Because it looks a bit cramped. Mm-hmm. But two, talking about the social media team's performance, getting the Geordie lads together for a picture in the dressing room afterwards, Mark you know, Gillespie, Miley, Longstaff, Byrne. I mm-hmm. thought that was... Dem- Dummit, I just thought that was a a lovely touch. Um, The
3: location tagging was a particularly lovely touch from Mark Gillespie. Mark Gillespie's
4: had a a great way. And actually, Longstaff mentioned it, I think, in his pre-game interview, saying that, you know, had he been one of those designated to to go around the dressing room and and impress the importance of the, the fixture on the other players? And he said no, but that had been given to the likes of Gillespie and Dummit. Um, and burn to go, just mm. quietly go around, and we don't know exactly what they did. Eddie Howe mentioned that there'd been discussions, and he was considering showing them some footage after uh, on Friday. Don't know if he did that or not, but I just thought the little details were were really good yesterday and throughout the whole week. A big aspect of it for me was if Newcastle turned up yesterday, they were was going to
1: win with the quality difference and mm. what I think a lot of Sunderland fans assumed would happen, which is to be fair, what used to happen in these games was the quality difference could be made up somewhat because of the effort difference, because of the understanding of the fixer difference. And we've got lads who've played in Brazil v Argentina derbies. We've got lads who've played in Champions League finals, uh, World Cup semi-finals, Euros finals, and a host of other big fixtures I'm sure I'm not not mentioning. And it's almost like that experience that they have was always going to mitigate whatever someone could throw at us. But as fans, we didn't know that. And in the build-up, you, you were nervous because of... Because of not knowing that about these lads, and like I say, it's such a positive on their character and their and their relationship with our fans. That not only did they show their quality yesterday, but Sunderland were outfought, outmuscled, out muscled. Sunderland were out pressed. Sunderland were the ones who couldn't get out. Some the Sunderland were the ones who couldn't match us for intensity and running. And if we talk about the bad days in this fixture, which go back to 2011, so a long time. Eddie Howe and the team have managed to kind of just put all of that to bed and deserve a tremendous amount of credit. And it was really funny, so that's that's important. <laughs> we're going to leave it there for part one of the show. Um, Where on Patreon, I didn't plug it at the start of the show. It is between three and eight pounds a month. Lots more Derby reaction to come as we build up to Manchester City next week. So come and join us on there. It keeps this podcast going.
0: Um, back after some short adverts. Thank you.
3: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We're
1: going to talk about the actual football now in part two of the show. And I want to start off by talking about... Newcastle's game plan and Sunderland's game plan and I thought Sunderland thought they'd make the game into a midfield battle they wanted to make the pitch as small as possible play a reasonably high line we also play a high line and therefore the middle of the pitch would be congested their superior desire the fact they've got all these kind of technical good players the fact that they've got these lads on the flanks who can come in and congest the middle of the pitch and it didn't work it didn't work at all because it turns out even though Newcastle have had problems in midfield over the last few weeks that Jolinton, Bruno, Sean Longstaff, then also Gordon Almiron are actually pretty good and better than their lads and one of the most interesting things for me was the fact that Sunderland couldn't change. It became clear after about 10 minutes of that game that trying to play through Newcastle's midfield just wasn't going to work. I think Jolinton coming back into midfield was the right move by Howe. dropping Miley was the right move as well as Miley's done. Um, Bringing Almiron into the team, we'll talk about Almiron in a bit but I thought once that became clear, Sunderland and their manager in particular, would have changed as the game had went on. It, it didn't make any sense to me that they were A, trying to pass out from the back, and B, trying to play the ball through midfield. Now, after Jolinton went off, they actually did get a bit more joy, particularly in the number 10 position. Um, but while Jolinton was on the pitch, and the first goal being so important in the fixture, I've got no idea why they continued to to play like they did. But that's, that's up to them. They're not a good side. They're, you know, championship fodder, really based on yesterday anyway. What I want to concentrate on for this show is just how right Eddie Howe got it, how right the players got it. There was no daft yellow cards, there was no giving Sunderland set pieces. Some fans in the end, not many, some fans were getting frustrated a little bit in the first half that we were so willing to keep the the ball Mm. with our centre backs in particular. But I, I loved it. It was it was the Newcastle of old. It was calm. There was no panic on half an hour about not being one nil up. It was calm. We're going to move you from side to side. We're going to let you press us up until the halfway line. But if you look at the fixture and what Sunderland could have taken out of the fixture, what Sunderland planned to capitalise on is the home support. It's the raucousness. Well, it wasn't there because Newcastle players and tactics sucked the life out of that stadium in the first half. Seventy two possession. Martin Dubravka didn't have to do anything. If Sunderland were going to get anything from this game, it relied on chaos. It relied on getting ahead and and, and then defending compact and playing Newcastle on the counter-attack. Well, Newcastle yesterday after the counter-attack issues over the past few weeks actually said, you know what, we're going to control this game. We're going to control the midfield. We're going to control it from the back. We're going to build up. We're going to be patient. And that actually brings our quality into play and it takes away the advantages Sunderland have. So I just think, and I know Sunderland are bad. I know we're a good side, really. But I think Eddie Howe deserves tremendous credit yesterday for, for managing the fuck out of that game from the first minute. I thought he was absolutely brilliant. And we we're just really lucky that Sunderland didn't take the, change the tactics at all. And catch. You, you really want to push on the fact that Sunderland kept playing out from the back?
4: Yeah, well, it just does, doesn't make any any sense at all. You, you, you spoke there well about um, Sunderland's, Sunderland's options were very limited. That Let's be honest, there's a golf in, in class there. And I keep going back to my apprehension about this fixture. And one of the things that unnerved me was the Luton game so I went to the Luton game and, and you saw there a team with really low, lower quality than Newcastle and limited options rely, the, the Luton were relying on Newcastle having an off day capitalising on you know um, home support stuff like that and, and that game as a blueprint worried me because Newcastle in that Luton game didn't take the chances and then dropped to, to Luton's level whereas at, on, uh, at the game on um, Saturday immediately Newcastle assumed possession of the ball and, and just had a calm demeanour about them. You know, centre-backs getting their heads up, pinging diagonals when they're on, going short, Bruno, Bruno coming and, and, and just dictating the play. Um, and, and Sunderland, I, they, they didn't have many options, which, which, which again, to me, it just reinforces how terrified I would have been going at this fixture as a Sunderland fan because they're a young team. A lot of those players are... League One level who, mm. are, who are overachieving in a, in a championship arena and physically they can be bullied and that, that just plays into Newcastle's hands. The physicality of Newcastle's team with the added quality, you know, on paper that, that was a, you know, that game was a write-off for Sunderland and, and, and so approved. So, um, yeah, the, and then they changed the manager just before, you know, they changed the manager last month, which is, a, which is an interesting decision and, and it sort of divided the Sunderland fan base. But for then... Him to come in and start, you know, trying to play out the back. Um, Fair enough if you're going to make that your blueprint for the championship. But that has to go out the window for a fixture like this. You have to be pragmatic and, and go, look, that's not going to work against Newcastle. We have to go a bit more direct. But again, they don't have the option to go direct because they don't have a striker. They, tr- they try to play with Bellingham um and uh, the other Rush... No idea. The Ukrainian no, there's no way of knowing. Who scored? The one who scored? Um <laughs> So that's, they rarely played with two up front. It was effectively a 10 and a 9. And, and it, it, so they tried to have a focal point, but they didn't use it. They didn't go long. I mean, Bellingham has a little bit of physicality about, it, but he's, about him, but he's, he's playing in the 10 and he's got no chance against Cher and Bottman. So I didn't understand that at all. And, and uh, you know, to, to insist on in playing out the back when you've got such a lack of quality in your back four, actually quite like the goalkeeper who's uh, from North Shields, might be might be a Geordie, sort of had a few interesting looks towards the away end yesterday. <laughs> actually quite like the goalkeeper, a bit of pedigree under, under 21, but he, he's young, but he can't play with his feet. But the, the others, I didn't see anything in there. And in fact, it was the midfielder, Equa, who came to get the ball. And they, they actually rate him quite highly. He's probably always one of their best players. He probably will get a move out of Sunderland in the next 18 months. And it was, and it was him him that made the mistake. So, you know what? They shot themselves in the, in, the, in the foot massively and Newcastle needed no invitation. Miguel Almiron
1: um, is probably the catalyst for a lot of the the turnovers in possession, and he's, he's had a lot of stick recently from Newcastle fans. But, Si you know, you were really impressed with
2: him yesterday. I think Miguel Almiron and Dan Byrne, and I, I want to say Longstaff we didn't really have a very good game, um, but Miggy and Byrne in particular needed a fixture like this against an inferior opposition to get their confidence back because I thought they both grew into that game so well. I think Dan Byrne got done once by the, the wing. I don't know. If I look. I don't know who, who <laughs> plays for Sunderland. Pritchard, was he the right winger?
3: I think there was He got Pritchard. round
2: him once and then he got cleaned out by Botman. That was like the only joy he had. And oh, then he didn't scary. really come back and try again because Botman sent him into the stands. <laughs> um, but yes, Miggy grew into that game. He seemed to just grow with confidence. He seemed to realise, actually, I'm much better than these lads around me. I am good enough here to, to both close them down, put my foot on the ball occasionally Charlotte and I observed him going onto his right and then playing a low hard cross across the box with his right foot he's no. acts like 10 yards no like, you that. don't normally do that why are you doing that yeah, now yeah. but like yeah he was it was one of his best games in a while he needed that um he's been playing I don't want to say badly but he's definitely been out of energy out of confidence and he needed a game against a team that just made him look good again and I thought the same with Dan and to be fair Longstaff didn't play particularly well but it must be nice to be part of a midfield that dominated and just kind of mm. get your confidence back feel like you've got time on the ball bouncing the ball off, off your teammates and, and Longstaff maybe you should have scored their, their early header mm. I've seen it back this morning It's quite unlucky the keeper doesn't really know anything about it he just kind of saves it and then catches it but, total fluke isn't um, it yeah Miggy the, the, probably the stand-up player obviously culminating in that, that goal at the start of the second half where he closed down the man. he just believes in himself to do that whereas we haven't really been pressing like that in any games recently and this whole thing now where we've got a week. To prepare for each fixture, we've got a week to prepare for Man City next next week. I'm not confident that we're going to start playing the Eddie Howe way again because we've got that preparation time and Miggy's key to that. I think he really is. Miggy and Gordon and Isaac for the entire of the second half when they were trying to play it out from goal kicks were literally just in that Newcastle United way, just along the the edge of the, the 18 yard box. And it's, I, I don't know why they weren't going long or why were they still trying to play through that because they're just losing the ball every time. But it was it was class and, and Miggy deserves a lot of a lot of credit for mm. recapturing that form. Yeah, he kicked the ball with his right foot at one point. Yeah. Did I imagine that? Crossed it with
4: his right <laughs> yeah. foot. No, no, no he, did, what I'm he did it he did a couple of times. Fantastic. It's just
3: that nobody was there to see. it. was good as well, wasn't it? wasn't a piss take. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it was a training match for him, so yeah. just to yeah, practice your right practice foot against these lads, maybe.
4: On Longstaff, though, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, if Longstaff could sort his finishing out, he, he could add, you know, £25 million pounds to his value, couldn't mm-hmm. he? Um, but you know with Longstaff, what I loved about Longstaff was last five ten minutes of the game he's pressing the life out of their center we're two nil up you know but it's party time in the away end and long and long staff's chasing down their their fullback and that's just you know you can't it's very rare that to Mm. to, to have that that sort of i don't know if the if that's a geordie thing or what but he was just he just gives so much um the quality's not always there um but yeah i'll i'll I'll, I'll never you know i never want to denounce him i think he's great
3: The confidence thing is is the thing, isn't it, that the, the, you watch? Actually, I thought our players came out yesterday with bags of confidence. They didn't grow into the game in confidence. They just knew that this was a game that they could win. They have the quality. They have the game plan. They have the management. They have the backing. They knew. And it was, like, incredibly... Um, Bolstering? I don't think that's the so weird, but as a fan to see like Kieran Trippier and come out and absolutely dominate and be look like the player that he was, you know, four or five games ago. He's had he's had this dip. That's okay. Players have dips. He's three, three years old and he's been playing at an incredibly elite level for all of his life, basically. So that's we can we can forgive it. Um Bruno like having the time of his life doing his mad sort of <laughs> Yeah, every time he gets a tackle to the to the fans. Um who else grew in confidence? We've talked about it already today, and my mind's just gone blank. Gordon. Gordon. Well, yes. Yeah, I was going to ask you,
1: Charlotte. You just, it was it was a day for the senior players, be, better known as the class lads. The class lads. Mm-hmm. to really stand up when they did that didn't yeah, they yeah
3: absolutely it's only been six days since we last played but it looked like gordon has slept those entire six days it's probably been training that's <laughs> what's actually been happening but he looked like his energy is back and maybe yeah. not at 100% but certainly 80% and it was certainly enough to deal with Sunderland um Almiron we've already kind of talked about um confidence um trippier. Even even sort of Byrne and 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 Joe, Joe Linton. Oh, it's so disappointing that Joe Linton got taken off just after after that second goal because he was such an incredible presence in the midfield, physical, athletic uh, players. Sunderland players were just bouncing off him, and he looked like he was enjoying it as well. But uh, obviously, he came off. Miley was fine. Um, you know yes Sunderland could get into into that space a little bit more when Miley came on because Miley is a 17 year old and Joe Linton's like a 27 year old but built like a brick shit house so it's like it's it's chalk and cheese really but it was just so important to me to see those players come on with bags of confidence not just confidence but arrogance like yeah. that's what we needed we haven't seen it in the last few games we we saw um, a confidence dip, a, you know, Miggie on the bench um, at Liverpool without a training top on, just ready to come on whenever, but looking a bit sad. And when Miggy looks a bit sad, he looks really sad. And all of them sort of just looking a bit dejected I think is the word, nothing like that yesterday. Mm-hmm. There wasn't a hint of it yesterday and I think that's so important going into a game like City, into a game like Villa where we've now got time. We've got time to rest and we've got time to train and Dan Byrne said after the game to the Athletic that that it, you know the last few weeks of getting back into proper training has been really, really beneficial. They were able to press because they've been able to, to train and practice that press a bit better and this game, this training match against Sunderland is just so important for the next few fixtures that we've got in terms of a psychological shift, in terms of, oh yeah I remember that I can do that, mm-hmm. I remember that I'm class, Gordon turning round to you, one who was ripping his shirt and being like, you can have it after the game that is just so arrogant and so brilliant and I love it, I absolutely love it
1: I want to talk about Alexander Resak and I just think, you know, yesterday he's up against, I mean Fake hard man with the slick back hair, um, 9 mm-hmm. and three-trunk of a centre-back, the one who scored the own goal, Ballard. and he just rang rings around them all game. And if you think about it, there was a little bit of online discourse from Sunderland saying, yeah, it was a tough game, but also they needed um, an own goal, a penalty, in the mistake.
3: Mm. Can I just say, like, a good football team doesn't give away a penalty. It doesn't give away, like, mm. obviously penalties, like, heat of the moment, but you force them into mistakes. Isak Isaac was going to score that goal if Bollard hadn't put it in the net. Like, I, it's such a, it's clutching at straws. Sorry.
2: It's one of the easiest penalty decisions that uh, Porcelain will ever make in his life as well. <laughs> he, just, he just runs into him and just cleans him mm. out. Oh, he's given up at that point. Mm. But yeah. um, in terms of Sunderland, they'll probably. They were probably thinking the first half was going to plan, you know. They were just trying to keep in the game, weren't they? And um, they were working really hard, getting eleven men behind the ball, and like you say, pressing us to the halfway line, but kind of letting our centre halves have have it. And you know what? There was a couple of times early on where Cher tried some long balls and didn't really work. Mm. It either went through the keeper or he overhit it. And there was a couple of balls from Botman or um, or Burns, which in the play that went out of play. So they were probably thinking, actually, this is going quite go well. We're nullifying Newcastle. But but for all their endeavour, for all their hard work, they never really got on our half. They didn't register one shot in the first half. So if that's if that's going well for Sunderland. Like, what was their plan to win the game? Like, there was feedback. Yeah, um, and the, yeah, maybe the goal was a little bit fortunate in terms of it being an own goal. But like you say, it was probably going to Isak anyway. And Joelinton just just absolutely bossed it, and he probably should have just taken on himself. Um, there were times also in that first half where we did lose the ball a bit cheaply, and again, it's probably because Sunderland were working really hard. They were, they were kind of putting their life on the line for the first thirty minutes. I'd say. But then we turn over the possession again very very quickly we had so much of the ball they would get it back try and get to the halfway line and botman or share or bruno or joe linton would just just take it back off them like just, just literally they had nothing they had no answer to what we were doing even though we were quite calm as you said at the start alex um we didn't have many shots in the first half we just just did what we did and, and wore them out until the until the opportunity came and i thought that was really good from us because you're right there was maybe a couple of fans around me getting a little bit frustrated at the lack of kind of not not creativity, but the fact that we weren't really doing much in that first half hour, but everyone else knew what was going on. We, we could see that Sunderland were wearing themselves out. We could see that we were just remaining calm. We knew the, the goals and the, the dominance was going to show over the 90 minutes, and it was just it was just fascinating to watch. The, the first half was almost more enjoyable than the second half, even though the second half was just us utterly dominating them. Watching us kind of, how desperate Sunderland were getting in the first half was as, as enjoyable as the goals that came later on in the game.
1: Back to Alex Isak. <laughs> <laughs> You're right, Sai, I agree entirely. Um, what I love about you said yesterday is just the passion was there. This is a mm. this is a kid who has scored a hat trick at the, the Bernabéu. He's played for Borussia Dortmund. He's played in the Champions League in he He's he's achieved a lot for a young lad, and he absolutely fucking loved it yesterday. Mm. He, he, he understands it. He's a smart guy. He knew the importance of this fixture and the celebrations after. Both goals mm. will were, were, were kind of live for a long time. People are calling him the new Mackham Slayer. I'd agree. Mm. It's a shame he won't have a chance to kind of mark Shoulders' record of beating because it's so unlikely that we'll play something for decades mm. potentially. But he was, um, I don't want to say he's the difference, but in terms of like one area of the pitch, apart from maybe right back and left wing, I thought the other part, like you just were like, there's no comparison between whoever was playing up front for them and Alex Isak. He was so good. And he, and he gets brought down. For a blatant red card and penalty, um, in in
4: my opinion as well, mm. in the first half. Well, yeah, do you know on that one though, I have watched it on the metro back last night on my phone, <laughs> having been anyway, and I don't know if that's a yellow card and a free kick uh, at best. Um, that's just my just my opinion on that. And, and if it, yeah, if it's outside, so if it's deemed to be outside the box, then then I think it's a. Uh,
1: a red. I don't think he's getting the ball, though. I think the the ball's going through to the keeper. I think that the lad, because it's
2: not an actual attempt to get the ball, that's what makes yeah. it the red. He's just yeah, yeah, he's yeah. pulling his shirt. He's pulling his yeah. shirt. I, I think with VAR, with VAR, that probably gets given. Obviously, I, I think they look back at that and think, but, yeah, he's done enough to yeah. impede him, and it, it probably is given. Red card, maybe not, but yeah.
3: They don't have it at these low league sides. No. Then.
4: <laughs> but just one more on on Isak. Obviously, fantastic, fantastic display. And um, one thing I saw from him yesterday, which we haven't really seen too much from him, is little things like when Gordon and Trey Humor trying to exchange shirts and Ballard smashes into Jordan uh, into Gordon it yeah. smashes into to Ballard defending his mate yeah. and then yeah. at the end of the game leading the celebrations he's he's a quiet he's, he's he's sort of a low key player in that respect but yesterday there was a real sort of spice. energy and passion <laughs> spice is a good word yeah about he was a spicy performance It's was really a spicy meat people. yesterday i just i love that smashing Bollard. i Just calling him Bollard. Yeah. Smashing him out of the way and going, get, get off my mate. Protecting his yeah. his winger. It was like he's really also
3: Isak's like tall and he is athletic, but he's not a massive like sort of bulky physical. And to just smash into this man who's yeah. quite a chunky Unit. little thing, like it was. It was just a brilliant. Movie. I've watched it back a lot of times.
1: We'll leave it there for our part two of the show. Part three coming up after a couple more adverts. Can you stop? For part three of the show, I want to ask you guys about how much this actually changes things, if anything. You know, Newcastle United, before this fixture, in dreadful form. I mean, there's, that's one thing. You know, someone bigged up and took a lot from this being the best time to play Newcastle. How fucking humiliating would it have been for them if we were actually in form with substitutes and, you know, uh, fit, rested players. But I suppose Newcastle now have to gear up to play Manchester City. Uh, then there's a break. And then they play Aston Villa. But I think Julliton's injury, the fact that Howe alluded to it and said it was the only blot on the day is significant. I think post-game Julliton seemed to be hobbling when coming over to the away fans to celebrate. And I hope I hope he's fine and I hope this conversation is redundant. When he went off, uh, I think Lewis Miley's been brilliant. But Sunday got a lot of joy because I thought Miley just got sucked to the ball a lot and just left huge gaps in behind him. I think to the extent he actually swaps sides with Longstaff because Howard's just like we've got to plug gaps on them on the left hand side here Newcastle's left someone's right so I don't know I suppose my question is and I'll just open it to any of you who want to answer is apart from the confidence we'll take apart from the the vibes and the, the celebrations and the necessity of what they did yesterday do you think any corners have been turned because of progressing to the fourth round of the FA Cup? Or do you think that there's actually still a long way to go and these two fixtures could get messy?
3: I think there's still work to be done. And, um, and, and, you know, we've talked about it. It's going to be a bumpier road. This was the season that things were going to be a bit harder. But um, I think some critics should be silenced or quieted by yesterday's (laughs) performance because I think what yesterday's performance has done is show us what... A little bit of training time and a little bit of rest will do and it's sort of you know we we talked about it extensively on this podcast that is it fatigue is it injuries or is it management sort of um limitations is are are there are there in-game sort of um limitations from our management and and we've debated it extensively but I think obviously at Sunderland obviously they're a worse side than the sides we're about to play Man City they're one of the best sides in the world um but I think you can see what's being done and how the players respond to it, even just after six days. So I think critics should be quieted. I think Eddie Howe should be given the chance and the time and the space to work with this side because there's so much more to come. Yeah, it might not mean a win against Man City on Saturday, but it's certain. I think that I think we'll give him a game.
2: I think. Um you're right the confidence that we take from this game has to be taken with a little bit of um, a pinch of salt because Sunderland were fucking shit and you know (laughs) we're not going to play anyone that easy again for the rest of the season unless we get a nice FA Cup draw. I suppose Um, the FA Cup itself now presents a real opportunity you know through the fourth round we really should be trying to win that tournament there's not a big fixture crunch coming anymore we're not in Europe the League Cup's gone we can take the FA Cup seriously every time we have a fixture in it Um, I do think that we go into Saturday's game against Man City, Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Saturday, Saturday night. Um, yeah, uh, with with the confidence from that game, but actually with with a lot of positives we took from the way we played, from the kind of getting back to the Eddie Howe way, all the, the stuff Charlotte said there about about the fact we get a week to prepare. It's all there. I also think the crowd is going to be buzzing because mm-hmm. we just beat the Magpies, and I think St James's will be will be electric at five thirty kickoff. I think it's there's lots of things making me now think we can beat Man City, um, and if we do win that game. Who, who who you think we're back don't you we're actually back and then you think who, who can't we beat now Villa away we get two weeks to prepare for that one and I was there last season and they absolutely battered us and they're even better this season so I'm still worried about that fixture and I don't think it really matters if we go there and lose we shouldn't start to worry that things are going the other way again I think that fixture is always going to present a problem we're on track again in my opinion I think if we even if we draw on Saturday against Man City that's a good result and, and we're going in the right direction again I think as Charlotte said we are now going to kick into a bit of form we've got time to prepare for these games we always do better in the second half of the season under Eddie Howe mm-hmm. I think that's all to come yeah uh, yesterday
4: a win at Sunderland a comprehensive win at Sunderland it obviously helps does it fix things no it doesn't doesn't things aren't fixed now that we've beaten Sunderland it was such a high stakes game yesterday imagine Eddie Howe loses that game mm. you know where does that leave the, the fan base the squad Eddie Howe himself you know I'm sure he's you know on camera, he's very confident, but even him, even he will be looking at himself going, you know, what's going wrong here? He can't put his finger on it. Um, the Man City game, I kind of want it to be out of the way. And then the, the, then you've got a clear line in the sand of the halfway point of the season. Mm. And then there's a little bit of a, a breathing space to get some time on the training ground, maybe some warm weather training, uh, maybe some players back. Mm. And then you've actually got the fourth round game will come before Villa, if I'm correct. Um weekend of the 27th so and then the season is a a lot more simpler then it's fa cup and consolidating your league position potentially with a a signing loan may potentially with a signing potentially with some players back so i think get man you know it'd be incredible if we could keep a clean sheet and beat man city i mean that would that would be another huge step forward but sort of get get man city out of the way and then by the end of january we'll sort of know where we are more as a squad in terms of who's who's available have we signed anyone um, who we've got in, in the FA Cup, and, and then you know, rescuing our league position. So, I'm re, it's, I'm really looking forward to the second half of the season. It's been the dust will will settle in the middle of January, um, and and that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah.
1: I agree, and I think some Man City maybe comes a little bit early for us to to see a different Newcastle. However, let's say for example, yesterday we had played Hull away from home and had a similar result. Uh, I don't think. How could have used the bench anymore. I don't think he's bringing in Matt Ritchie. He might bring in Paul Dummett, but I think that with a week to prepare after Liverpool, or a few days to prepare after Liverpool, he possibly plays largely the same team in an equivalent cup tie. I think as much as winning that game helps massively in terms of confidence and mood of the fans, uh, like like when he's just said, just the time that Howe how has kind of been... Clear that they just needed time on the training pitch. Things would get better once they could actually train properly, and that we have seen that this week. We saw that yesterday. It wasn't just that we won, but we were so dominant. We did so many things right. There was so much good work there. And like you said, Charlotte Danburn referenced in the post game that it just makes such a huge difference being on the train. I would expect to see a vastly improved Newcastle against Manchester City than, say, we saw the last time we played at home against Nottingham Forest. And uh, Norman Riley and myself did a, a State of Play podcast for the week where we really tried to understand what had gone wrong for Newcastle. And sometimes you can look at, uh, you know, o- overlook at individual performances or tactics or when they pressed or when they drop off or how they defended against Forest, and how they were able to uh, not adapt in game. And you can kind of get obsessed about these things. And mm-hmm. I just looked at the fixture list. Newcastle played five away games out of seven. Mm hmm. So played two at home, five away. That in itself is pretty bad. Look, not many teams go through that domestically anyway. It was five, it was it was five or, or six out of eight, or, or five out of seven. It's just loads of away games to to play in a, in a relatively short space of time with very little to be able to kind of come back home and rely on your home crowd. And I feel like everything's gone against them in that December. That December couldn't have gone much worse for loads of reasons. So even taking out the Manchester City game, by the time we get to the fourth round of Aston Villa, we're going to be looking at Joe Willock back, Harvey Barnes back, mm. potentially Elliot Anderson back, Callum Wilson back. Mm. I know it return to like the glorious first day of the season against Villa when you cast off 3-1 up on 65 minutes and just kind of slowly emerging from the bench in front of me in the Melbourne like I was for that game are Callum Wilson, mm. Harvey Barnes and Sean Longstaff. Mm. And it's like actually the second half of the season should see that a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, and and you will see a refreshed Newcastle United. And I think, yeah, like I say, I think the, the Man City game, I think Newcastle got a great chance. I think Man City won't be looking forward to the fixture. Still a good time to play Newcastle for the reasons mm. we've talked about. But what yesterday does, it just brings everyone together for a week. It yeah. brings everyone into that fixture against Manchester City, uh, singing off the same hymn sheet and a relatively rested and revitalised Newcastle are a match for anyone at home and and I feel like that Forest game and that Luton game and I don't want to make too many excuses because I was on this podcast getting into them about it and they still should have done better but I just feel we'll be a different beast I'm not saying we're going to win but we can win and I think what the Derby victory does is um, it just reminds everyone that these are good lads these are good lads who gave us everything in the fixture we needed them to give us everything in and I think
4: that they'll take a lot from it we've taken a lot from it and it'll be to Manchester City's detriment yeah and one quick point on the sort of December mitigating circumstances theme other fans might not appreciate this but the the Liverpool game and and the Derby game Eddie Howe started those games without any new signings it's effectively like he's not had a transfer window you know and it's it's, so he's working with you know the bare bones no no new signings at all involved in in the starting lineups of those games And I just think that's something that also needs to be taken into consideration and and to Howe's credit he's still you still, still managing to to p- get performances out of them. Brilliant. We'll leave it there. Thanks so much to everybody who's watched
1: and listens. We're on Patreon. Come and join us. It keeps this free show going, so if you like it, consider helping us out on there. Be back uh, very soon, talking to you on this platform and this feed. Thanks to Catch Charlotte and Cy, for taking part on the show with me. Speak to you all very soon. Bye-bye.